welcome to episode 97 of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm Dr. Richie McKinnon, and I'm your host. And in this episode, we turn to a topic that's relevant to both our shared experience across all the disruption caused by the COVID pandemic, but also the more business as usual experience of work. And that is how we take care of ourselves. I'm joined this episode by friend of the podcast and previous guest, Dr. Rachel Skews. Rachel is a fellow chartered psychologist, and she has a really deep interest in the practices that contribute to our well-being. In addition, Rachel has just been through an experience where self-care became even more important than usual. Don't worry, it's, it's nothing serious, but it really did feel like the perfect time to speak with her. Before we turn to the main substance, a couple of news items. As this is episode 97, we're getting closer and closer to our 100th birthday, and we're dedicating that episode to our listeners, so we need to hear from you. Whether you're a new listener or someone who's been with us um, for a very long time, we'd love to know what you've enjoyed. What have you found useful? What concepts or ideas have you put into practice? How did it work for you? And of course, what questions do you have for us or any of our guests about the topics that we've covered across what will be 99 episodes? You can get in touch with us on Twitter at MyPocketPsych. You can send us a longer message via our contact page, worklifepsych.com slash contact. You can even leave us a voicemail and I'll put a, a link to the show notes where you can do that. And we're opening up all of our channels. So now you can email us directly. And the address is podcast at worklifepsych.com. And finally, a personal appeal. Just a couple of days after we press go on this episode, I'm going to be running the Royal Parks Half Marathon in London to raise money for Epilepsy Action. This is an excellent charity that does great work to dispel myths about epilepsy and support people living with that condition. I myself live with epilepsy and I know exactly Uh, just what the provision of information and support can do for a person. This will, for obvious reasons, be my first race in two years. And so I'm not expecting to smash any records, but I am hoping to raise valuable funds for this really excellent charity. So listeners, if you can spare the price of even just a cup of coffee, you can sponsor me online via my Just Giving page, and I'll put the link to that in the show notes. Every single pound, euro, or dollar, I know we have listeners from around the world, is really welcome. And I sincerely thank you in advance. Okay, on with the show. Rachel, it's great to have you back on the podcast. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for inviting me back again. Always a pleasure. It's really nice to connect with you. And um, today we're going to be talking about the topic of self-care, which is, it it means very different things to different people. And I thought it would be good to explore it with someone who has an interest in this space. But would you mind telling the listeners why in particular self-care is front of mind for you right now? Okay, so yes, um, for anyone who knows me and spends time with me, I have had this personal challenge that I took on. Um, I actually started working towards it in 2019. So I turned 40 in uh, 2020 and I I wanted a challenge. I wanted to get fit again. I wanted something that was going to, um, you you know, be be quite a big 
challenge, uh, something I hadn't done before. And I've done various bits and pieces, mountaineering and um, half half marathons and that kind of thing. So I decided uh, through chatting to a friend of mine who'd done one, that I would sign up for a half Ironman, which I was going to do on my 40th birthday in June 2020. So I started... I know. I started training towards it in 2019 um, and was working uh, with a coach and uh, who, who actually is a friend of ours who was heading off to the Olympics in Tokyo, which obviously never happened uh, for him either. Um, so kind of, you know, COVID happened. And then the self-care element came from not just around the training. So um, why, why is self-care important for when you're you're training for half Ironman? What you find is that when you take on these um, endurance challenges in particular, um, a lot of people will get injured. Um, and I am no spring chicken. So I, <laughs> my goal, one of my main goals was I wanted to get fit enough to do it but I also wanted to be fit enough to do it without getting injured because mm. um, I have a lot of friends who've had injuries either through doing marathons or various other sports that they, they, they take on. And so for me, uh, I mean, I mean, Richard, you, you know me pretty well. You know what I'm like. I am a curious bunny and I tend to get a little bit obsessive as well. So I started to read a lot about endurance sports training. I read a couple of books. One was specific to uh, training for half Ironman and another one was general for um, endurance sports. And it fascinated me because a lot of these, um, you know, a lot of the coaching that I was getting, a lot of the the stuff I was reading was all emphasizing the importance of understanding your training load. So the strain that you are putting on your body on a weekly basis usually, but it would also be on like a monthly or a two monthly cadence as well, depending on what kind of training you're doing and whether you're, you know, kind of ramping up or tapering or what have you. Mm. So there's a whole science behind this um, and a lot of wearable tech that uh, supports it as well. So things like fitness watches and I got a Garmin type thing, uh, which I use. And I was kind of talking about training load, but then also talking about your nutrition and your uh, sleep hygiene as well. And obviously, mm. as a psychologist <laughs> who has worked on, you know, stress and burnout um, over the years, um, I started to see this huge parallel between this science and, and, and knowledge around endurance training and what we know about the workplace and stress and strain in the workplace. And so that felt like a really interesting parallel for me around, you know, you put more load into the system and that is going to have an impact. And so you need to be able to flexibly respond to that. And um, there's a lot in endurance training around, you know, less is more. So just mm. going out and, you know, beasting yourself uh, for hours and hours and hours uh, is not necessarily training smart. Um, and so there was a lot to to be said for training smart as opposed to um, just the volume of training. It's more thinking about you know, giving yourself what you need. And and the recovery part is a huge, huge part of that conversation. And um, I also started uh, working with a physio 
uh, because I was having a few tendon problems and exactly the same thing there. So with my tendon, I was a problem with a tendon in my hip, um, which is very common. Lots and lots of people have this. Um, and what my physio was saying is that the tendon is you, for it to recover, you need to put it under strain. But if you put it under too much strain, you do more damage. So it's again, it's this idea of, you know, you've got a training load, you've got a work related um, load, you've, you're putting, you know, a load on your your tendon. So everything is under strain, but it's not that strain is a bad thing. You know, it's a good thing because that's what creates performance. But it's about that optimum level of strain. And so for me, self-care is this understanding the balance of strain and then rest and recovery. And, and um, you know, the kinds of things that we can do to rest and recover look like lots of different things, you know. And that's very much the case for whether we're talking about the workplace performance, whether or not we're talking about sports performance, or if we're talking about pure physical kind of recovery. So I thought it was fascinating. I was having all of these parallel conversations around essentially this idea of, you know, having the optimum level of strain, and that's how you create performance and that you have to be quite active around your self-care. I think that parallel is amazing. Um, I think there'll be people listening to this who would agree that their jobs are an endurance sport. Um, yeah. But actually, it's a useful it's a useful parallel to explore because if, as you say, we focus on working as hard and as long as we can, we'll get some short term results, but we'll get a medium to longer term problem that's hard to come back from. And um, that parallel with training for an event um, is one where actually you need to build in your recovery from the exertions. Um, and, I, and the reason I, I thought it'd be great to talk about this was there's a very strong theme in the work, the well-being work that I do with individuals where actually planning the downtime and planning the recovery is a big part of it because it's not coming naturally to them. Um, and, uh, you know, the focus is on the doing, not the recovering from the doing. Absolutely. And it's that sense of you need to be doing more. And actually what we know is that sometimes less is more. And a lot of the um a lot of the the books that I was reading about endurance sports really hammer that home now because you might think that it's just about volume and it isn't. There is not there isn't this linear relationship. It's a curvilinear relationship. Mm, and mm. so, you know, it's a there is a peak um, in terms of the strain that's the optimum strain for you to be put under. And that's yeah, that's really well evidenced. And if if we look back to the typical person at work and I'm, I'm saying that just because not everyone does a half marathon um yeah. uh, most people are pretty sensible <laughs> <laughs> it's it's an amazing achievement uh but most yeah. of our listeners won't do that and i'm bringing it back to their experience of work there's a there's an element of working hours uh regular times whether that be during the day or in the evening or shifts and uh time off to recover and and actually, this notion of active recovery is really important, isn't it? Because it's it, there's a very strong pattern of people sort of just about surviving work and then flopping over, when in fact reconnecting with our non-work selves and investing in ourselves takes proactivity, takes activity. And um, two things I'd like to cover off with you, I think, uh, before we go any further. One is 
you know, what, what could self-care be for somebody? And the second thing, um, maybe myths and misunderstandings about what self-care is and isn't. Any, any front of mind examples of what could constitute self-care for someone? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot. Uh, well, one of the things that I think is going on, uh, particularly in the current climate with with COVID and and um, the way that that's changed society and the the way we work, is I think we're all navigating a lot more complexity and that that kind of um, I don't know to what extent it was ever really a real sort of um, differentiation between work and home you know, that barrier is is no longer really there. You know, we majority of us are, are kind of working in a slightly different way or we have different work practices. And so that level of um, complexity is increased. So I think one of the things that um, we need to acknowledge is that that change adds strain to everybody, mm. you know. Mm. So regardless of... Um, you know, your own personal circumstance, I would say for most people, they're probably dealing with things. Some things might be easier, some things might be more difficult. But I would imagine that there's a level of complexity and change, which is probably contributing to people feeling a little bit more burnt out. Mm. That's what I tend to hear, is that people are feeling more burnt out. So I think the first thing I want to say is like, that's okay. And that's normal. Um, I would, I would say, um, and if you are feeling a bit burnt out, this is the time to think about what is it that you could do that is going to give you give you that boost. And so I think it's anything that feels like a resource to you. Um, and yet I think you're absolutely bang on. I, I think that that will be different things for different people. I think there are a few things, you know, good sleep quality. I think that will benefit most of us I really feel it if I don't get the quality of sleep and I I I think you're a wearable tech nerd as well aren't you Richard it's not a phrase I would use Rachel but yes (laughs) (laughs) technology enthusiast maybe yeah yeah yeah, totally technology enthusiast I I'm I'm a bit more of when it comes to wearable tech I am fascinated I I mean I, I love data anyway but it's been so fascinating to see the impact of various things on my own data, my resting heart rate, my HRV scores, my sleep quality. And I'm starting to really see that pattern of if I don't self-care, I just don't perform well, whether that's, you know, sports-wise or whether that's at work. I know when I'm at my best. And if I'm not feeling 100%, I can look at the data and be like, oh, yeah, for sure. Mm. Not fully recovered. Um. I think in terms of the things that you can do beyond that, yes, okay, you know, good sleep, good nutrition, um, not not drinking huge amounts of alcohol, which I think in the first lockdown, I think most people were like, we just need to get through this. Um, Sometimes you need to do something. Sometimes that's not sustainable over a long period of time. I think that's the key. Yeah, that's the key point that, that, you know, the misunderstandings around self-care, I see, you know, the the term gets stretched quite a bit to to allow people to say, well, I'm doing this for my self-care. But actually the question I would ask uh, my clients would be, that's fine. What is it addressing? It's addressing how you feel about something today. That's fine. Now, if you do this every day, 
what's going to happen? Will this still represent care for yourself? So is it something that's sustainable in the medium to longer term? And it doesn't necessarily have to solve a problem. Um, self-care can be can be a relaxation activity. But the main thing uh, for me, and you make a really good point there, is is the thing you're doing and labeling self-care something that won't detract from your well-being over the longer term? And lots of things could fall into that category, right? Because you could exercise too much and yeah. you could actually injure yourself, as you've, as you've uh, illustrated earlier. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's it. You know, it's good to kind of experiment and see what works for you. Um, I found sitting and reading a book, I mean, ideally in the sun, we have a lovely big <laughs> kind of glass door at the back of our house so just, I don't even have to be outside I can do this in the winter and it's probably more important in the winter so that you get that mm. kind of daylight time but um you know some things that feel quite simple I think I think there are probably differences between your hygiene factors you know the things that if you are not getting enough sleep that's going to have an impact on you if you're not eating brilliantly and 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 you're not fueling properly then maybe that's you know those are those are more like the hygiene factors I would Some say essentials to to keep an eye yeah. on yeah 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 and probably because they are a bit more physical as well um, I think a lot of people were finding the daily exercise routine during the lockdown was was you know keeping them buoyed up a little bit so I think those sorts of things most people can see quite sensibly like that's that's probably doing me some good but again there's like differences in the ways that you can do it i was just uh, running a coaching session with somebody today and i used the the classic example of cake we're always mm. on about cake so you know cake's not a good thing or a bad thing it's the context so if i've if I'm trying to lose weight, if I'm trying to, um, you know, I'm training really hard or, or something like that, and I want to avoid high calorie food, um, then, you know, cake's not really on the radar. Well, you know, I should try and have some level of, which I don't actually, I just eat cake whenever I feel like it. But, um, you know, if it's not going to bring you towards your goals, then maybe it's not the right thing. However, you know, you could be having um, a nice day with friends and sitting down having a coffee somewhere and you know in those contexts it's going to really add value it's going to make you you know it's going to add um, a lot to your day so I kind of think again these self-cares it's I don't think it's about creating a set of rules it could be about a routine but not inflexible rules that this is okay and this isn't mm -hmm. I think it's a little bit more about really being present really understanding what do I need as a human being right now, be that physical or emotional or, or mental. I think one of the things that can be a real help, I mean, obviously I work for a meditation company, but I do think mindfulness plays a lot here um, in, in helping you to determine whether or not something is genuinely helping and self, you know, part of your self-care kind of repertoire mm. um, and what isn't, what feels like it's short-term relief, but ultimately a long-term cost. Or, you were or saying, even like, that, that difference between the things that are intentional uh, versus yeah. the things that are automatic and maybe yeah. 
aren't that all that helpful. Uh, the things that are maybe a few moments of a very simple activity versus something that you might need to get more organized for and plan for. But there's a, there's a core bit there, isn't there, about your awareness of how you are to help you identify what it is that you need. So paying attention to how you're getting on both psychologically and physically and socially and, and all of those things. Uh, I'll underline your point about rules. I don't think anyone needs more rules, right? It is about principles and it is about um, identifying things that that work for you. It, there's another kind of, I won't call it a misunderstanding, but maybe it's a bias in, in how people talk about self-care. I mean, I'm conscious that by mentioning self-care in the title of this episode and us discussing it, it might be making some listeners' toes curl right now, because the phrase can have many, many uh, different connotations. But there's one maybe misunderstanding that's about, well, self-care is treats. Self-care is lovely experiences, when actually I'd underline that self-care is is anything that helps you look after yourself. And actually, sometimes self-care is not about pleasure. It's not even about happiness. It's about investment in yourself. And that might be about managing your boundaries managing your commitments, engaging in a bit of planning so that you're on top of things. Maybe, you know, sitting down and saying, I am going to take care of those bills and that paperwork because that's an investment in me and it makes my life a bit easier. It's not a bubble bath. It's not a bar of chocolate. It's not a glass of wine. But you know what? I'm looking after me and I may be avoiding a bigger problem further down the road by doing something now. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And I think there's a couple of things to to pull out of that and really kind of zoom in on for a second. One of those is self-compassion. I think, and this, again, is straddles workplace and sports performance hugely, much, much more than I thought. And in fact, again, I was talking to um, uh, one of the, he's a team GB coach, um, he's just come back from the Paralympics. He um, uh, coaches uh, the para, part of the Paralympics team. And we were discussing the extent to which self-compassion um, plays a part in this in terms of um, performance and how we were both so surprised that that's the case, you know? Mm. And I, I don't know if you feel the same, Richard, with your clients, if you've been doing a lot of, well, I mean, I was doing that. This is nothing to do with the pandemic. This predates that hugely. Mm. Mm. So, totally. The, the the acknowledgement that you're human, the acknowledgement <laughs> that you've got finite resources and that you will make mistakes. And actually, um, the compassion when related to self-care is about saying, maybe to come back to your earlier point, do you know what I really need is an early night? I could plow on, uh, but I might make mistakes. I might end up, you know, damaging my sleep or causing stress. And actually, the best thing I can do for me is to go and get some sleep. Um, no treats, <laughs> the essentials, you know, getting some sleep um, and and noticing so that you can apply that compassion and do something flexible in the moment for you. Um, I think it's really, really important. It's a lack of self-compassion that can drive people to that sort of striving, the unsustainable, if I just do a little bit more kind of mentality. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And I, I think because we kind of are frightened to, um, you know, if we've been working really, really hard for a long, long time career-wise, 
then we sort of equate our success with that. And I think for a long time, being busy has been a status symbol. And that's one that I'm personally still trying to um, find my comfort with is this idea of, no, sometimes, you know, enough is enough and you have to step away and, you know, doing it in a way where you're not letting things down. And I think that's not just at the individual level. I think we should probably recognize that there are certain work environments where people are encouraged to to work to the point of burnout and that, that isn't healthy and and you know people may these may not be life choices but I think I think this also comes across to that other side of things so there's there's one big thing about self-compassion but I think the other thing and, I, and you and I have talked about this in the past is you know, sometimes those uncomfortable feelings or those uncomfortable kind of thoughts that come up, um, we can avoid the discomfort of those thoughts and feelings, but it's not necessarily serving us so well. So sometimes, you know, you, it's easier to to keep on grinding away rather than have a conversation, maybe it's with a boss or something, to say, you know, this isn't working for me. I'm feeling mm-hmm. very burnt out. Um, so I think, or, or other kinds of difficult conversations, we we talk about this, um, you know, like messages that your emotions are giving to you. Um, if you're feeling angry about something, then that tells you something. That tells you that you care. Same with, you know, feeling sad about things. Um, those Those emotions, those difficult emotions, you know, that's useful information about something but quite often we want to avoid them and so we we kind of turn away from them and I think there's there's this idea of yes self-compassion is one part of this but also that bravery that you might need to kind of step into a situation to get that long-term gain which uh in the short term especially if you're feeling um quite burnt out already that can be a very difficult thing to do Yes, absolutely. And having worked with with individuals, you know, experiencing lots of stress in their lives, that a simple act like taking a break and going for a walk can yeah. seem like kind of existentially challenging. One, I'm not busy if I'm doing that. So how can I be successful if I'm not busy? And two, waves of guilt about what I should be doing when actually it takes them a while to make the link between actually if I could go outside and get some fresh air and a bit of sunshine on my face and I walk, I'll, I'll feel a bit better, I'll perform a bit better. And actually they begin to make the links between taking breaks and feeling better, but also uh, breaking that link between workload and feelings of success or even worth. Um, and reconnecting with what what really matters as well. So again, you and I have discussed this before, but the role that our values can play in this. Um, I found that a a valuable avenue to explore with people when it comes to self-care, even if we're not using that term, reconnecting with ways that you can look after yourself, especially for those people who are busy looking after lots of other people in their lives and and balancing lots of demands and, and roles and responsibilities, tapping into things that they think are important, whether it's capacity to keep looking after other people or whether it's their own health and well-being or whether it's uh, the the duration of their career. Can they keep going? T- to remind them, if that's important to you, you need to do these things to help you 
uh, put that value into action and actually live it authentically. Oh, I, I think that's a really, really good connection to make at that point in, in the, the discussion as well, because if you are unsure, you know, of what you need to do to self-care in a particular situation, I think values can really be like the enlightening kind of thing mm-hmm. to, to to think about. So going back to the half Ironman for a moment, because this was a really fascinating experience for me. God, I'm such a nerd, aren't I? But um, <laughs> I, one of my goals, my goal with the Half Ironman was not to do it in a particular time. What I wanted to do is I wanted to do the event and I wanted to enjoy it. And I didn't want to aggravate any of these injuries. I had two injuries, one on my hip, this tendon in my hip, and then my shoulder, which I'd, I'd had a long um long-term issue with and I yeah, the half Ironman really motivated me to go and see a physio I mean mostly because it was massively aggravating both things mm. <laughs> the training was just like oh I was getting aches and pains in all sorts of places so I went to see this physio and I was working with her and it you know I kind of put down any ego-driven sense of I'm going to do it in a particular time I'm going to be you know super fast and it was much more around I'm going to do it and I'm going to enjoy it. And that's what's important to me. And um, so obviously I did do it very slowly, um, but I enjoyed every moment of it pretty much. Uh, Not the bike ride so much because that was quite tough, but I didn't, you know, I wasn't not enjoying it. Um, I was quite happy when there was one really big climb and I was really relieved when I got to the top of that. So, uh, but when we were on the run, there was a couple of guys that were running near me and, and, um, they were really struggling. They looked like they were really struggling. And, uh, so we actually started running together and chatting and I kind of thought, right, I'm just going to focus on trying to share that enjoyment with them, you know? Mm -hmm. So my, for me, it became, it became less about me as an individual competitor and much more about our sh- the shared experience that we would have, you know, the, 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 the three of us doing this run. Um, and so it was things like that where it was um, the values piece for me, you know, it wasn't about killing myself to try and do it really, really fast. Cause if you think about it, like, that is a slightly bizarre reason to do it. You want to get it over as quickly as possible. Um, I wanted to train for it. I wanted to get fit and I wanted to enjoy it. And, and I did. And um, it was really interesting because obviously in a race environment, you are really being pushed to, to get into that mentality of doing it faster. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there were some amazing competitors there um, who were incredible and did it really fast. And, you know, they, it's a qualifier for, for various um, like world championships and things mm, like that. Mm. But I'm not going to be going to any world championships. Like, that's not my bag. <laughs> never say never, Rachel. There might have been a talent scout there watching. You might yet get a phone call. Um, but I, th- I think it's it's a really interesting point that one that that comes up a lot in in um, in well being conversations or, or mm-hmm. in careers conversations. Full stop. Um, it depends on the perspective that you take. You know, the activity, the effort, the work, the time something takes, it all depends on the perspective 
that you're taking on it. And we can rush through unpleasant things or we can look at them from a perspective that allows us to be more present and notice what we're doing and glean some learning or, or some sense of satisfaction from it. Um, mm. People that have been attending my webinars uh, on a well-being program lately have heard me talk a lot about ironing and cleaning toilets. Um, not because mindful focus on those activities has made them fun, but but changed the nature of them. You know, for me, about well, instead of rushing through this, instead of multitasking and trying to get it over with, let's pay attention to what's involved in this and see can I change my perspective on it. And just the other day, I was <laughs> I I I had finished a run, uh, not a half. Uh, Iron Man or anything like it, but I just finished a run by myself, and, and I approached a train station, and there was pigeons everywhere, like there are in London, and I was just thinking, oh, these filthy, dirty pigeons in the way, and then I saw these toddlers with, um, I guess, their parents, and the toddlers were just filled with joy at seeing these same filthy, dirty pigeons, and all the way home on the tube as well, I could think of was. Imagine if I could have seen that through their eyes, I would have been delighted to see them. Yeah. And so that perspective taking is, is a really important element of this, both to be able to look ahead, you know, to project ahead and imagine what things might be like, to really look at the present from, from different perspectives, to give yourself flexible opportunities to invest in yourself and not fall into this automatic pilot trap that is so easy when we're busy. And like you say, so many of us are, are so, so busy. Yeah. I really love that, especially about the toddlers, because it's true. You, the perspective that you take on it is it has a really big impact on on how, you know, your experience of it. Um, the other thing that this connected with for me, which is um, really, again, really fascinating, it was that sense of like, this is your journey and this is your goal. And lots of coaching conversations I've had with people in the workplace have been around, you know, do I really want to take that promotion? Uh, do I really want to take on that project? And that sense of values and, you know, what is it that I'm really aiming for? What is it that I want to get out of this situation or my mm. role or, you know, what is it that I really love doing? Um, that I think is such an important reflection point, um, which is, you know, very much what I was doing with the event that I did. Um because I could have approached that in a number of different ways and lots of people would have. But being able to be really clear, what do I want to get out of this? What direction do I want to travel in? I found that really helpful. And I think I've had conversations, really powerful conversations with people about their, their, their careers and their jobs and, you know, what is it that they really love doing and how do they get more of that in their, in their work life? You know, if that's the domain we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so uh, conscious of time, maybe we, we could wrap up with maybe some uh, summary points about this. Um, we'll play on the the recency effect and leave these messages ringing in listeners' ears. But but you know, we, we've we've talked about how self care is subjective and uh, it's not about rules. It's about applying principles and it's about things that represent an investment in yourself and from 
from one perspective, that's about building in recovery from the active work that you're doing, whether it's cycling, running and, and, and all the rest of it, or it's the, the job that you do during the day. And while it might be about pleasurable activities and rest, uh, promoting activities, it could also be about things like, uh, as you've just alluded to, turning down an opportunity because it's going to be one opportunity too many for you or managing your boundaries and commitments or just making sure the essentials are done uh, in your life. And of course, investing in those very, very essentials when it comes to our physical selves, uh, our sleep, our diet and, and or exercise and all of that kind of stuff. So I, I you know, I sort of... <laughs> inferred that uh, self-care isn't about bubble baths. But you know what? If that's what yeah. does it for you and you get that break, do that. Make the time for it and do it. For, for many other people, it's going to be something completely different as long as it's intentional, as long as it's aligned with the kind of person you want to be, as long as it's sustainable. Um, that That's self-care. Um, how does that sound to you, Rachel? Uh, yeah, Absolutely. I love that as a summary. And I think the other thing, the only other thing to add in, in, into this summary is the importance of self-compassion. Give yourself a break. Mm -hmm. Give yourself a little bit of what you need and try not to feel too guilty about it and try to just, you know, look after yourself because at the end of the day, you know, that's how you're going to perform at your best, whatever the context is. I think I've just identified the title for this episode. So thank you for that. <laughs> a little bit of what you need. That sounds that sounds great. Rachel, thank you so much for taking the time today. It's great to catch up with you again. Um, I'll be sharing links to you online so people can find out a little bit more uh, about you. But as ever, a real pleasure to have you on. So thank you very much. Thanks for downloading this episode of My Pocket Psych. To get in touch with questions and feedback, you can tweet us at worklifepsych or leave us a message on the contact form at www.worklifepsych.com/contact. Thanks for listening.